How many of you know that God likes to revive dead things? Can I hear a little amen? Our series is called Renew, and I'm telling you, um, here's the great hope we have, is that God is into renewing dead things. Dead marriages, dead relationships, dead careers. He's just, he's really good at it, and there's nobody better than him. And so we're believing in this series that he's just going to bring renewal to your life in a really powerful way. Today, we're going to look at our scripture text. It's going to be found in Romans chapter 12, just verse 1 through 3. That's all we're going to get through today. Uh, but before I read our text, I just want to remind us that we are not only here to hear a man or a pastor preach. We're here to hear the Holy Spirit. And uh, let me just ask you, how many, how many know that God speaks to us today? Raise your hand. And then look around, look around while they're raising your hand. Hey, we're in a church that we believe God speaks to us today. And here are some ways that he might speak to you. You know, you might be looking to him to boom an audible wave from the cloud. You know, I, I haven't met anybody who's heard the audible voice of God. I never have. But here's what I do know is there's going to be moments in the message today that they're going to stick out to you. And you're going to want to underline or highlight a scripture or, or write down something that's said. Those are the moments where the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And I want to encourage you to lean into those moments to so write those things down and ask him to just continue to speak clearly on those points. Let's pray. Father, we love you today and we just thank you. God, I pray that you would use the foolishness of preaching, as Paul would call it, God, to allow your word to go forth, that people's hearts and minds would be touched, they would be transformed. God, that you would bring dead things to life, because that is what you do. We just love you so much, and we surrender, and we open our hearts to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' in, in Jesus' name, somebody say a loud amen. Here we go. Let's read it together. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Uh, in this book, Paul is writing to the Christians uh, in Rome, and he's speaking to them. And this church is primarily a Gentile church, meaning that there's not a lot of Jews. And he lays out some things in this text to help these believers understand what it's like to have desires for Jesus, and, and in fact, how to cultivate desires for Jesus. And in, in the opening lines of Romans 12, he says something really interesting. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of, in view of what, Paul? In view of God's mercy. Now, it's important to understand that Paul is not sharing new information to them. He's actually reminding them of things that he has already said. And what is he saying? He's saying, I urge, I plead with you. He's saying, I beg you. Have you ever had a parent get in your face and they're like, of all things I've ever said in the world, just listen to the words coming out of my mouth. That's kind of what's happening for Paul. He's saying, I beg you, hear me. In view of God's mercy, what is God's mercy? Well, the Greek word for mercy really has to do with a, a deep Confession, excuse me, a deep compassion that comes from the gut. 
Anybody have ever had that before where just something moves you and it's, it's, it's not even in the mind. It's like from the gut, you're like, I've got to do something about that. And so God actually has a gut reaction of compassion when he looks at you and I. When he sees humanity being beat up by sin, he's got a, a gut reaction about that. And it's not the gut reaction that you might be thinking. His gut reaction is, no, not my kids, not on my watch. There must be another way. And his other way, he kind of gives us a little bit of more context. He, so he talks about mercy, but before that he says to be in view of it. I want you to constantly be thinking about my gut reaction towards you. It's a, it's a, a reaction of compassion. It's a, a reaction that comes from a place of love. And, and Paul says, be in view of that. Never lose sight. I, I want you to, to look at God's mercy. And I don't want you to ever forget it. I want it to be in the forefront of your mind. And so he just sets this whole stage. And he's saying, whatever you have thought about God, let it be out of the way. And I want you to be in view of his mercy for you. Did you know that God, in fact, is actually really rich in mercy? And he never runs out. And see, sometimes you and I, we, we run out of mercy. We get something called p- compassion fatigue. And we run out and we have nothing left to give. And sometimes some of you think that God has compassion fatigue and, and he's lost compassion for you. But in fact, the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. He never runs out of compassion for you. Even in your darkest moment, even in your ugliest moment, he has a gut reaction for you. And he says, no, not my sons, not my daughters. And what did he do in response to his, his gut reaction, his deep compassion? Well, he gave us Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So Paul is saying here, in view, I plead with you to get Jesus in view. Let him be your priority all the time, all the days of your life. Be in view. I beg you, I plead of you to see Jesus. I believe that in this text, Paul is going to lay some things out that are going to help us to renew our desires for Jesus. And the first thing I notice in our text is in verse one, notice this in your notes, that our desires for Jesus are cultivated in his presence. Now, we can't be in view of Jesus without being in his presence. And, and there are some people who maybe you have lost your desires for Jesus. It's not, it doesn't burn like it used to. And honestly, it's not about a feeling It's not about an emotion. Those are fun and those are enjoyable. And in fact, those are helpful at times, but it's about a conviction. God wants us to have just a conviction about us, a desire for the things of Jesus. Let's read what he says next about being in his presence. He says in uh, verse one B, he says, be in view of Jesus. And while you're in view with him, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And he says, this is your true and proper worship. Paul is saying, now that Jesus has your attention, worship him. I think it's important when we talk about cultivating uh, his desires being cultivated in his presence. It's important to understand that we're always in his presence. How many know that? Like we don't, we don't have to beg him to show up. He's there. But there are many times in our life where there are a lot of people in our life and they're in our world. And guess what? Like the word from Veronica, we can ignore people around us all the time and not even acknowledge their presence. 
and not be blessed by their words, not be blessed by their kindness, not be blessed by their love. And God says in his presence, we need to be living sacrifices. We need to acknowledge the one who is with us by worshiping him. Paul even describes the type of worship that he wants. He says, I want you to worship with your, with your body. And what, what is that all about? I, I, I kind of have this, this picture where Paul is saying, hey, work out what is inside of you. Like, by the way you worship, and this is not about music, this is about your daily living. By the way you live your life daily, begin to work out the things that are true about you in righteousness and holiness. Begin to live that life out. See, in his presence, he causes us to surrender the desires of the old dead nature. It's so funny. We all, we all will love to say that our, our dead nature is dead and it's gone. But there are so many times where we, we go back into that closet and we, we hold on to some things just in case we need them for comfort. And, and, we, and we walk around with them. They're dead. It's like, it's like us grabbing this old ball and chain and we're just dragging it along in our life. And God says, hey, be a living sacrifice. Just let go of that thing. And just trust me. I want, I'm enough. You don't need a backup plan. I am your plan. I am your backup plan. So, so be a living sacrifice. So he says, you can let go of those old sinful activities. You can let go of those old addictions. You can let go of those old habits. I want you to know that Paul is calling us and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through him saying, I want you to let go and be a living sacrifice for God. Why? Because you're his sons and daughters. Walking around with that, that old bag, carrying that old stuff around, that's not who you are. In fact, Paul begins to speak to their nature here. He, he begins to say, he says this, as he continues, he says, you are holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. Why is this kind of worship called a true act of worship or proper worship? It's because being holy and pleasing to God is the truth about who you already are in Christ. So Paul begins to speak to your new nature. He begins to speak to the worshipers and says, hey, worship because that's who you are. It's, your, it's true about you. It's proper for you to worship God in this way because you are a holy being in Christ. You are righteous in Christ. So let that come out of you. Let that be who you really are. How many of you want that to happen in your life? I do. It's amazing how just a few words in scripture can express so much and have so much rich implication. And here's the question I believe scripture is asking you and I today. And, and we need to consider this in our own heart. And here's the question. Are we aware of his presence in this way? Like every moment. Now, I plead with you. Be in view of Christ at all times. It's, this is not about a prayer time. It's not about one hour in the morning or 15 minutes in the morning. This is about your daily life, being in view of his mercy, in view of his presence, living as a living sacrifice every day, every moment of our life as he's calling us and inviting us. And here's the bottom line in our notes. It's this, our cravings transform in communion with Jesus. How many know that you can't crave something unless you taste something? 
I know a lot of people, you come from another country and all you've had is the food from your neighbor country and you come to America and you're like, you don't even know to crave for a burger. You don't even know how to crave for a big, fat, juicy steak from Texas Roadhouse or, 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 a, or a big old fat brisket from a Texas barbecue. You don't know how to crave those things. But you begin to eat, you begin to get in the presence and honestly, I, I'm going to say this proudly, I'm from California. How does a California preacher get voted in at a Texas church? I don't know. Only God. A Niner fan? I don't know. Only God. But I am rooting for the Cowboys this afternoon. But here's what I know. I didn't have, I didn't have cravings for Texas barbecue when I moved here. In fact, I didn't really like it until I started tasting it. And the more and more, I started cooking it for myself. I, I started, and I started loving it so much, I, I would want to bring my friends. You got to taste this. This is good. I began to get a craving for it, and our cravings are transformed in communion with Jesus. The more time we're with him, our desires grow, our love grows, our taste grows, our palate grows. We begin to, we begin to taste all the different things in that. You, know, you ever watch the Food Channel? They're like... They take a bite and then they like explain everything that the cook, the chef just put in the pan. It's like, you dummy, we already know that. We saw everything. Like the real secret is to not know what's in the pan and then describe everything. Like do that, I'll be impressed. But we can begin to taste all the places that God is moving and we can begin to sense all the things that he's saying. And we begin to sense when he says, hey, don't say that. Shut your mouth. And we begin to sense when he says, oh, open your mouth and and say this and speak to that. We begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. How you know what I'm talking about. I think right now it's just a great moment for us to take communion. As Paul is just saying, let's just be in view of his mercy. I'm going to invite our ushers to come on up. If you didn't get uh, the communion elements when you walked in, just lift your hand up really, really high and uh, just keep your hand up until they get to you. So let's just be in view of his mercy for a moment. I'm going to invite you to just kind of Open the cracker and the, and the juice up. And I'll just kind of lead us through and, and talk, and you can just agree with me, or you can just begin to talk to the Lord on your own. Jesus, we are in view of you today. God, you've pleaded with us to be in view of mercy, to be in view of you, Jesus. So we just stop. And we acknowledge your presence right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are capturing us in this moment. God, as we think about about your body that was broken on the cross for our healing emotionally, physically, and spiritually. This is not just about salvation, but it's about complete newness. So we thank you for this wafer that just represents your body that was broken. And we hold you in view. Let's take the bread together. God, as we look at this cup of juice, we're reminded about your blood that was spilled. Paul says, One sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all times. We thank you that your one sacrifice was enough to cover the sins of humanity. God, and we are so grateful that we are your forgiven sons and daughters. 
Let's take this cup together. We're talking about renewing our desires for Jesus. First thing we notice in our text is our desires for Jesus are cultivated in his presence. The second thing I notice um, in your notes is this, is our desires for Jesus are, they're cultivated in the purging, the purging. Purge means to expel. It means to remove. It means to kick something out. We see this in verse two. Let's read it together. It starts out uh, with these words, do not. Anybody know what the words do not mean in Greek? It means don't. Don't do it. In Texan, don't do it, y'all. Might even be a stupid in there, you know. Don't do it, stupid. I I don't know. That kind of sounds like Forrest Gump. So we're just going to move on. I'm going to stop. But do not is, is actually, um, it's not a soft ask. Is that a soft ask? You know, I mean, you got a hard ask. Wow. <laughs> Jesus, I feel your anointing right now. You got a hard ask. That's what I said. Get online, listen to it, y'all. You have a hard ask for your kids. I just, we're just going to forget that illustration. Forget about it. Then you have an ask that's like, that's soft, right? And you know when you bring it strong. Okay. I don't even know what to do right now. It's so awkward. But he, but he basically says, Tremel wants to get in trouble. He says, don't do it. Don't conform to what? The world. And I think what Paul is doing right here in the midst of getting us laughing and lighthearted, then he goes, boom. And he says, I want you to look at your life and I want you to consider something. When you look at you, do you see the patterns of the world in you? And he's saying, your desires for Jesus are cultivated in the purge. And I want you to purge the patterns of the world out of you. We have to be careful because we understand that Jesus does all the work, right? Like he, he does it beginning to end. He does it. But we have to be a willing participant in it. We can't just like be off in our own world. Look, you're going to bless your kids. You're going to do your kids naturally get things because they're your son and they're your daughter in your house. But I'm going to tell you something. When your kids participate in your house, mom and dad, what do you do? Oh man, I got you. I got you. I got you. Whatever. I got you. You want more? I got you. This ain't a thing about God holding us back, holding back from us. It's a thing of stewardship. You have a hard time blessing people that aren't good stewards of what they have. And God wants to bless you when you're a good steward of what you have. And he has all the blessings right here, just ready to pour on you. But when we're not paying attention and we're ignoring his presence and we're not purging, we miss out. You know, this week I was praying for this message and um, I was like out here in this back corner and I got this thought of a river. And, you know, if you want to take this as a, as a prophetic word for you, go for it. But it's just like a, a thought. And I, I thought of a river. Anybody know the power of water? Anybody see a powerful river? And a powerful river can just, 
blasts through. And, and if there's any hindrance in the line of that river, it is so powerful. It just starts moving around things and just starts blasting land and shores right out of its way because it's got somewhere to go. And, and a couple knucklehead beavers can come along the way in the middle of a river and start damming up that river. And when we have the world in our life and we have the patterns of the world in our life, it's, it's almost as if we're damming up the river. Did God go anywhere? He's right there. He's knocking on the door. He's trying to tear the river down and we're working against him by allowing the patterns of the world in our life. And so we, in a sense, force the river to go around us. And some of us are going, my desires for God aren't really strong and I'm just not, I'm not sensing him in my life and I'm not hearing him. It's, it's not because he went anywhere. He's still there. He's an all present God. He's speaking. You just, you built up such a wall that you can't hear anymore. But his voice is talking. His power is moving. And it just started moving around you and making a way. And I think in the purging, God is inviting us to remove the clutter, get rid of the dam. And the moment you just even turn an ear and you incline an ear towards him and you move one little rock. What happens to a big old dam when you move one little rock? When you break one little hole, that thing just starts blasting through like it was intended to. And I think that there's a lot of ways that, that we, can, we can clear the dam. There's a lot of ways that we can purge things out of our life. And one of them we talked about earlier by being in the presence of God. And, and of course, one of them is scriptures. But I want to talk to you about this, this one called fasting. And before I talk about fasting, I just, I want you to know that, man, I went through a season of my life where, where things that kind of had the appearance of a religious work, like I just freaked out. I just couldn't do it. And, and I went a, a long time. like, I, I don't, I'm not going to work for this. This was, you know, but here's, here's what I know is we have to have the right perspective of fasting so that we can understand the importance of it in our life. And, and here's what fasting is. Fasting is intentionally abstaining from something for a predetermined time. Why? To make room for God. See, in the Bible, fasting was a Jewish practice. And in fact, um, people in other cultures, they even fasted. And they would also actually fast as a public display of mourning and a public display of grieving or a public display of being in need or a public display of suffering. And, and Jesus actually came on the scene in Matthew 6. And he rebuked the Pharisees for making such a public spectacle of their fasting. See, for the Pharisees, it became about a work. It became like... Hey, Hey, look at me. Look at how holy I am. Look at how righteous I am. And, and, and in fact, the Pharisees were so mad because the disciples that were following Jesus weren't fasting. And they were like, hey, Jesus, how come your clowns aren't fasting? And Jesus says, well, while the bridegroom is with them, they're not fasting. They're actually in his presence. But, but when I am gone, they're all going to fast. Fasting can actually be a useful tool to purge the clutter. In fact, in, in uh, Matthew chapter four, we see Jesus before he enters into full-time ministry in the brand new season, he actually fasts for 40 days. Yeah. And before we go too far, let me help bring clarity on what fasting is not. Fasting is not a work. It does not make you holy. It does not make you righteous. Jesus does that. We don't believe in works righteousness at the grace place. We believe in faith righteousness. And here's what I know about fasting. 
We don't fast to guarantee a word from God. We don't fast to summon God to work on our behalf. We don't fast to manipulate him to get him to do something that he don't want to do. We can't make God answers our prayer through fasting. But what we can do in fasting, we're actually purging the things out of our life. We're moving the blocks in the dam that is, that is holding things up in our life. And we begin to incline our ear and hear what God is already saying and see where he is already moving. What are some reasons that we might want to fast? I just want to suggest three of them. One of them is this. We want to fast in your notes to prepare ourselves for the Lord. Uh, We might be entering a new season like Jesus was as he was getting ready to enter into his public ministry. And we might want to just prepare ourselves for the Lord. Clear the clutter because I'm going to tell you something. When you enter a new season, everybody has a word for you. Everybody has something to say about how you should do it. And there's a lot of voices that get in the way. And sometimes the clutter can get really loud and, and you're marriage is difficult and and everyone's got advice for you and and it's all different and you don't know what to do, but you do know that you've got to prepare for this new season that's ahead of you. So we can fast to prepare ourselves to clear out the clutter, to clear out the noise and hear what he's saying to us. Next in your notes, we we might want to fast with the purpose to purify ourselves before the Lord. See, how many know that we have a a lot of ideas about how we think things should happen? And some of them are very godly, but how many know that you can't apply a a godly idea to every single principle because God, or every situation, because God is personal. And what God might want to say to Gerald and Stephanie about their relationship is not the same word that he wants to say to Heath and Trina about their relationship. And I can come in with some good ideas, but I need God to purify my thoughts so that I make sure to say the right thing to the right people. In fact, hearing God is tied to us being cleared out in in his presence and decluttering things. In fact, in Acts 13 and 2, it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. See, when we set ourselves aside we can actually hear the voice of the Lord speak as these men did in scripture. We also might want to fast with the purpose to prostrate our self before the Lord. Now, I do have to admit, I wanted to stick with the theme of peas. So I had to find another P word to go with the rest of the peas. And prostrate is like kind of a strange word. But I want you to kind of understand this word actually is a way to physically lie yourself down face to face, chest to ground before the Lord. And part of the purpose of fasting is to bring ourselves to a low spot. It's actually an attitude, a, an attitude of the heart, a, a spiritual position of humility. Yeah. And what we're saying when we are letting go of certain things in our life is we're declaring to God, God, I don't need food to keep me alive. God, I don't need people to keep me alive. I don't need social media to keep me entertained. God, I don't need coffee to keep me pumped up. But I'm going to ask for forgiveness on that one because I really like it. (laughs) But God, all I need is you. It's a purging of stuff. And it's also a declaration that God, all I need is you and I have you. That's why I can let go. (laughs) Have you ever like had God ask you to let go of stuff? And in letting go, we're saying, God, 
I know you got me. Chris and I are inviting you to join us on a 14-day fast beginning next Sunday as a way for God to continue and us to continue to just purge out any, any voices, any, any things that's just clogging up God, God's voice from us hearing, from us being able to hear what he has to say for 2024. I believe that many of you have already dreamed things and God's already spoken to you and you're already hearing things, but I believe that there's more to hear and there's more to do. And as, as God begins to speak to you, your, your faith is going to come alive and your desires for Jesus are going to just begin to go bonkers. And you're going to begin to have trust and, and radical faith to believe him for things that would never be able to happen in the natural. But you're, you're hearing him speak. And honestly, he does crazy things all the time, like saving you, for example. Like that's, that's insane. So we're inviting you on this fast, and I want to just give you like a couple things that you might want to consider fasting. Uh, the first is this. You might want to consider a food-focused fast. That means limiting or eliminating meals. They could be, it could be daily or certain meals throughout the day or weekly or certain foods like sweets or coffee for you, not for me, um, or maybe meats. Maybe you might want to follow the Daniel fast. There's a lot of great info in the church center app. All this stuff is there. You can hit that link and learn more about the Daniel fast. It could be an activity focused facts fast. In other words, you might want to limit or eliminate bad habits or maybe hobbies or maybe eliminate things like complaining. <laughs> I know none of you need to fast that because you're all so perfect. Um, or eliminating unnecessary speech. I know you don't have word vomit ever, only me. Um, or maybe it could be cussing or cursing or whatever, whatever you like to call it. That God just wants to just do something in you different, an activity-focused fast. And then thirdly, an entertainment-focused fast. Maybe you want to eliminate or eliminate, limit or eliminate activities like social media or news TV, movies, video games, recreation, whatever the thing is. And, and here's the deal. Um, you know, this, this is only for you to figure out. And we're just inviting you to it. You know, we're not like, you have to. We're inviting you to join us as we, we begin to just lean our ear in to hear what else God wants to say as we start this year off. And how many know this? It makes no sense to enter a fast without replacing our time with other spiritual activities. So if we're going to give things up, then we got to put things in place. Otherwise, it's like, it's like, what's the point of that? We're, we're not doing more presence. We're not acknowledging him. We're not looking for him more. We're not in view of him anymore. So we're going to be in view in things like number three in our notes, our desires for Jesus are cultivated in prayer. In fact, Paul finishes this last phrase off and he says this in verse 2b. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many know that you can't know if his will is good? You can't know if it's perfect or if it's pleasing unless you hear him speak to you. And having a conversation with God is called prayer. And so Paul is inviting us. He's saying, if you want to uh, have your desires for Jesus be renewed, he's saying, spend time with him in prayer. Listen to him. Talk to him. He's going to say stuff to you that will blow you away. You'll begin to find out that his will for you is amazing. His will for you is not to be depressed. 
It's not anxiety. His will for you is to not live with the results of your poor decisions. How many know we've made some poor decisions, but he actually makes good out of bad. And I don't know what kind of poor decisions you've already made coming into this year, but God says, if you incline your ear to me, I will talk to you about my will. He says, my will's really good for you. I want to talk to you about my pleasure. You know, there's some people who do things for you. It's because they have to. Have you ever sensed that? Like tell your kids, go take out the trash. My daughter never does this. She's like, okay, there's something. Honestly, I'm like, is there something wrong with you? Like you're so so obedient, obedient. Like I don't get it. Like there are some things that she like, dad, that's not my job. You know, (laughs) definitely my wife is like, babe, that's not my job. She sent me an Instagram thing that this little girl's like, daddy, I'm a princess and princesses don't do that. It's like, there's some things that we do. It's like, I should do that. I, I, ha- I have to do it. And, and sometimes we do things just because we have to. You know what I'm talking about? And how many of you can sense when people do things for you because they have to? It's like, okay, cool. And when that happens, you're like, mm, I know things ain't right between us. Huh? You married? Anybody married in here? Have you got some real good friends in here? Where are single people with friends? And you're like, just you're trying to be a good friend but yeah i'm not feeling your heart and the bible says that his will is good and pleasing it pleases him to fulfill the desires of your heart it's like he's like i love it i love doing that for you like i'm so pumped up I get to love on you this way. I'm so pumped up to forgive you. I'm so pumped up to show you my mercy. It, it just brings him to light. He's like, I'm so happy to do that for you. So it's, it's a good start of the year. I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want you to know that God is so pumped to bring salvation in this room. And right now in this moment, if, if you don't have a relationship with him, he wants to show you his good, his pleasing and his perfect will for you. And that is just simply this, not by you doing anything, but by you surrendering and receiving the life of Christ. Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He took our place. It was ours to suffer. And he said, I don't, I don't want you to suffer. He says, in view of my mercy, I just want you to look up at me. Look at what I did for you. You can have this. It's yours. All you have to do is say yes. And if there's anybody in this room who wants to say yes to Jesus, I'm just going to invite you. We're not going to embarrass you. Invite you now to the front. Everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want you to just slip up your hand and say, yes, I, I want to I want to invite Jesus into my life. He is not my Lord and Savior. And today I want to make that decision. Anybody in here today, just slip your hand up really high. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. Anybody, anybody, anybody.